Welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast, episode 43. And at the time, I was illegally in the country. So for me, finding a full-time job was tough, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult. And the jobs that are available are not easy jobs. And they pay what they pay. I mean, we all know, right? So at that time, I was like, you know what? I need to just figure something out for myself and see what I'm going to do moving forward. And I was always into technology. I was always into computers. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was going to this community college to learn how to build websites. My name is Alina Warig, and today we have Donnie Mancillo on the show. Donnie came to the United States when he was 16 years old. He started like everyone else, taking ESL classes and learning everything from scratch. His very first job was painting houses at the age of 16. But his entrepreneurial path started when he started to sell random things on eBay and then he was hooked. He had different entrepreneurial ventures, like being a partner in a furniture business. Donnie launched another business that was similar to Groupon, but it didn't go as expected, so he ended up selling the company. Later, He continued his journey by being a Magento developer. And for those of you guys that don't know, Magento is very similar to Shopify. So he was helping clients get their websites connected to Magento and Shopify platforms. That experience led him to launch his business, Pineapple Development, three years ago. Donnie also acquired another business that is completely unrelated to software shortly after launching Pineapple Development. Now, both of his businesses combined are bringing in $500,000 in annual revenue. So let's dive right in and hear all about Donnie's journey. Okay, Donnie, thank you so much for joining me on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. I truly appreciate your time and I'm really excited to hear all about your journey because I read a little bit about you coming to America through the book Immigrant Hustle. So let's get right to it and welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So let's talk about your immigrant journey. Tell us where you're from and when did you come to the United States? Sure. I was born in Brazil, Sao Paulo, more specifically, and I moved to the U.S. in April 1st, Fool's Day, 1999. So, Awesome. And how old were you? I was 16 years old. Okay. So tell me, did you come with your family? Did you come by yourself? Mm-hmm. My dad was here for a little over two years. He came first, and then I came alone as well when I was 16. I lived with him for four or five months, and then my mom and my brother came later. And then once they were here, we all moved in together. Okay, got it. So, and what was that journey like? Why did your dad decide to move to the United States? And why United States? Well, I think we have a the typical immigrant story, right? Just, you know, uh-huh. struggling financially in your country, not knowing what the next steps are. And, and again, like I was pretty young back then, so I didn't know what was going on in our household. But now I understand a little bit better. And money was always an issue growing up. So at the time, my parents were fighting quite a bit. And then they decided, you know what? My dad would come to the U.S. My uncle was here at the time and he was going to help out my dad, you know, get settled in, find a job. 
And we had a few people that we knew, including some family members, a handful that already lived in the New York area. So it just made sense for my dad to come first, see how everything went, and then the whole family would come after. Mm, got it. Okay. Okay. So you landed in New York. Yes. Yep. In okay, New Rochelle, wow. New more specifically. Yeah. Okay, great. So what was it like growing up in Brazil? I was born in Sao Paulo, which is a huge city, right? I was there until I was eight or nine years old, and then I moved to a farm. So quite a bit of a, you know, a little different lifestyle. So I actually enjoyed a lot living in the farm with animals, nature, you know, doing climbing trees, picking oranges from our backyard. And then we moved around quite a bit. We lived in, I want to say maybe four different cities before we moved to the US. So within three to four years, we moved quite a bit. And, and why is that? Again, going back to the financial thing, right? The money issue, you're always trying to find a better living situation. Mm-hmm. Going from one place to another, things didn't work out for my parents. You know, let's try this other place. And we always knew somebody in that town. So it's like, oh, let's go there and see if maybe they can help us out. And it just didn't seem to work out. When we got there, we would stay for maybe a year or two. And they're like, okay, this is not working out. Let's go somewhere else. So eventually they said, you know what? Maybe Brazil is not the place for us. Let's try something else. You know, everybody talks about the US, you know, being the place to be, to make some money. And then maybe we'll eventually we'll move back, right? That's the story for most people. Let's go to the US, mm-hmm. make some money, go back to Brazil, and then buy a house, build a house. But as we all know, a lot of people, many of us, right, immigrants, they come and they love it here so much that they end up staying and becoming citizens and building a life here. A lot of times marrying an American girl, in my case, uh, yeah. thinking for my brother, and we just decided to stay. So, yeah. Awesome. So did you know any English when you came at 16 years old? I like to say when a lot of people ask me that question, it's like, obviously, most of the people asking, they're all Americans. I always say, like, how much do you know Spanish? You know, like, because we do yeah. English classes, you know, in middle school or high school, but you don't really know much. You know, you know a few words here and there. And that was my knowledge of English. I knew a few words here and there, but I didn't speak any English. Got it. Got it. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the struggles that you had to go through when you first immigrated. So I'm hearing you didn't know much English. Mm-hmm. You're in New York. Mm-hmm. How did you handle the public transportation, the metros? And oh my goodness. So tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that. So we didn't live in New York City. It was uh, New Rochelle, which is about 45 to 50 minutes of a train ride. But yeah, I mean, being 16 years old, right? Imagine a boy, 16 years old, going through that period, not speaking English and going to a place that you don't speak English. You're forced to go to high school. Well, before high school, I ended up working with my dad for quite some time, painting houses. And I worked with him uh, installing windows and doors. So that was new to me because I had never had a job in Brazil prior to 16. I helped my dad with his own little business here and there, but I never had like a, a job that I worked for someone else. Now, when I look back, it was a huge lesson for me. It just taught me so much. And I'm so glad that my boss at the time didn't put me to work with my dad. He put me to work with someone else. So he was now looking back, that guy was a mentor to me. So work was tough. I did not like it. I did not like painting houses. And I moved here. It was April. In my mind, it was extremely cold, even though it wasn't as cold as, you know, as you would think. So I did not like it. I couldn't wait to get into high school. So in December, so eight months later, I finally got into high school and it was tough just being in ESL class and not knowing what to do. And there weren't too many Brazilians in that high school. 
And I had to take math classes. And I believe there was one other class. I don't know if it was science. I had to take it with Americans. <laughs> so you can imagine, you know, not speaking much English and, and trying to figure it out and trying to make it work. So it was a great experience now that I look back, but I, it was tough. It was not, not an easy transition at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what about your parents? What kind of jobs did they pick up? My dad was a window installer and my mom just cleaned houses. So I helped him here and there whenever they needed, whenever my dad needed extra help, I would go and, and help after I graduated high school. And then my mom, if she needed some help, we used to drive my mom to different houses for her to clean. And then we would go pick her up after she was done. But yeah, house cleaner and window staller. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so before you tell our listeners about your company, tell mm -hmm. me about the path you took. And I really want to hear about your soccer journey and how mm -hmm. entrepreneurship was plan B. So let's hear about that. No. <laughs> well... <laughs> Being from Brazil, right, you're born with the soccer ball next to you, you know, so <laughs> soccer was always a huge part of my life. I had fun, I had all the problems, all the stress. I mean, it was all gone when I was playing soccer. And for sure, I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player until I did go. I had a, an opportunity to play soccer in college here, not here in Florida, but in New York. I had a scholarship. I had a great time. And once I got to that level, I realized, oh, maybe I'm pretty good, but I'm not that good, you know? <laughs> so I don't know if I will have a career in soccer here. And at that Were age, your you know, dreams shattered. Oh, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, as a kid, you know, you see your idols going to the World Cup or playing for this team or that team, yeah. and you're like, oh, maybe one day I'll be there. I'll be on TV, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's tough to realize, but then it's liberating because you're like, you know what? Let's focus on something else. This will always be part of my life, but let me put my energy in something else. So the entrepreneurship part of it was, it was pretty early on when I was still in community college, actually. I was playing soccer at that time. And at the time I was illegally in the country. So for me, finding a full-time job was tough, right? I mean, it's, it's difficult and the jobs that are available are not easy jobs and they pay what they pay. I mean, we all know, right? So at that time, I was like, you know what, I need to just figure something out for myself and see what I'm going to do moving forward. And I was always into technology. I was always into computers. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was going to this community college to learn how to build websites. And I remember I had this coat. I don't remember if I had a job at that time or I was working as a bartender, but I knew I wanted to do something with computers. So I had this coat that I had bought and I never wore it. I don't know. You know, when you go with your friends to a store and you're like, oh, I really like this coat, even though you kind of know you would never wear it, but you still <laughs> bought it. So I ended up buying it and I never wore it. So it was sitting in my closet for months. And I had heard of this eBay thing at the time. This is in 2000, 2001, maybe. And I was like, maybe I can just put it on eBay and see how it goes. You know, maybe I can make a hundred bucks or $200. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. So I listed it and it sold. And again, when you sell something online, if you haven't, or for the people that have sold something online for the first time, is the greatest feeling in the world, especially back then, 20 years ago. So as soon as I sold it, I was like, oh, maybe I can sell something else. And then I think I listed an old pair of shoes or some other t-shirts that I had. And then I saw, wow, I think there's something here. And then from there, I just decided, you know what, I, this is what I want to do. Like, it's, I enjoy it. I like the research. I like the work. I like this thrill of listing something and putting like your heart and soul into describing this product, creating this listing, and then somebody paying money, giving me money for that and not having to do that in person. So after I sold a few items, I was just hooked. So then I started just looking overseas how I can find more products to sell. And then here we are today. I manage and build and maintain e-commerce websites. 
Okay. Okay. Got it. So a couple of questions for you. So you realize that because you're illegal in the country, there's no other choice but to do something on your own and therefore Mm -hmm. become an entrepreneur. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. Yes. Okay. And so what limitations did you have when you said that you were illegal in the country? What is it because when you first came in, you guys didn't do the paperwork or what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what limitations did you have when you were illegal? You couldn't work, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, on top of me being 16, right? So my parents brought us here, went to high school and then college. And I remember, so in college, once I moved from the community college to a four-year college, I really enjoyed 3D animation and game design. So I ended up taking those classes. So me and one other guy in class, we were kind of like top of the class. So our professor asked us if we wanted to do this internship in a city, in New York City there was to work on an Xbox game. And I was like, yeah, oh, absolutely. This is going to be amazing. You know, this is like a dream come true. So after doing that internship, it was hard to realize that I could not get that job because I didn't have the paperwork. So after that huge realization, that's when I said, you know what, like if I cannot find a job and I tried many other places and they said, you know, if you don't have a social security, you can't just work. So that's when the whole thing of like, okay, I need to figure it out on my own and then I'll just see how it goes. And it kind of worked out. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I'm looking through your profile on LinkedIn and I'm seeing that you had another company, Joy of Cleaning, and mm-hmm. then you had the Pineapple Development. Is that correct? It's the opposite. So first, oh, it's the opposite. Okay. Uh, yeah, Pineapple Development. So I had been freelancing for quite some time, just finding jobs on Upwork. Back then it was called Freelancer. And it was all related to e-commerce, building e-commerce sites, Magento or Shopify. So over time, the number of clients that I had, it just kept increasing. And I would bug my wife and say, hey, can you help me? I really need to do like pay these guys or I need to do something else. And I can't do everything myself. So over time, I convinced my wife to help me with this. And then one day she's like, you know what? I'm going to go and help you. So that's when we officially started Pineapple Development. Even though I already some freelance clients, we made an existing business into an official business, Pineapple. So that was a little over three years ago. And then Joy of Cleaning came about a year and a half ago. Once we were here in St. Pete, the cleaners that cleaned our house said that they were going to move to Seattle. So I just started talking to them. And they were also Brazilian. So I started talking to them and just asking questions. Just the entrepreneur mindset, right? If there's yeah. maybe there's an opportunity on everything. So <laughs> as they started telling me the story, I was like, oh, maybe maybe I can keep that going. Maybe we can talk a little bit more and I can learn more about your numbers, how many clients you have, how much money you're making. And long story short, they shared everything. They were super honest and open with everything. And then I saw the opportunity and I said, you know what? I'll buy this company from you. And then we worked out a deal. And then here we are today. We have been able to more than triple our revenue since August, a year and a half ago. So, Wow. And this is for the Joy of Cleaning company? Joy of Cleaning, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you're running two businesses. Correct. Yes. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, good job, Donnie. Good job. <laughs> okay. So tell me more about Pineapple Development. Who are your clients? Who do you guys serve? Sure. Yeah. We focus on e-commerce. So whether it is a Magento website or Shopify, we have built sites like one of the biggest ones that everybody knows is Thermos. If you go to thermos.com, you know, the coffee mug company, Mm -hmm. um, there was an agency from Atlanta that hired us because they didn't have enough Magento developers. So that was one of our clients. So we completely built that website from scratch, thermos.com. Diamondback is also a pretty well-known brand for all the mountain bikers out there. And then there are some local companies here, 
such as Pinch a Penny. Pinch a Penny is a pool supply company. They have a little over 250 locations in the southern area of the U.S., not just here in Florida. True Leaf is a cannabis company that's been growing super fast. We built their website as well, and they have a little over 50 locations. So we focus, again, Magento, Shopify, pretty all e-commerce. And we focus on development only. We don't do the strategy or content or design. We focus on development. Okay. Okay. Got it. So anyone with a Shopify store, they can come to you and get that hooked up on their website? Correct. Yeah. If, if you're thinking of using Shopify or Magento, Magento is another is an open source platform, very similar to okay. Shopify. So either platforms, if they are on them right now, or if they're thinking of switching from, let's say, WordPress, WooCommerce, they want to switch to Shopify or Magento, we can help them. So I also read in the book that you had a furniture business. Yes, kind of. So I was the okay. <laughs> I was the e-commerce, I was the tech guy at that time. And a, a close friend of mine that I also played soccer with, that's how we actually became friends. Kind of again, soccer was so big in my life that I moved around quite a bit. From New York, I went to California. California I went to Detroit, Detroit, Chicago, Chicago, Costa Rica. And most of my friends to this day, they all came from playing soccer. So at that time, this guy that I was playing soccer with. He had a furniture business, a wholesale furniture business that he imported furniture from you know, overseas and then he wholesaled to local retailers. So as we became more friends, I said, hey, I build websites. I know how to sell your stuff online. And he didn't do any of that. So I said, maybe there's something here. Let's make some money together and let's have some fun. So I partnered with him and I took care of all the online stuff. And then we had a great time doing it. And then it just got to a point where I moved to Detroit and it just made things too difficult for us to continue. And then we decided, let's just part ways and let's just, you know, take a break here. And then that business kind of like just went away. And then that's where I started focusing more on taking on clients again and focusing on the Magento part of things and me being a, a Magento developer. Okay. Okay. So you dabbled in eBay, furniture business. You were kind <laughs> of all over the place. Oh, and, yeah. then, and then you developed pineapple development. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. And another very close friend of mine from Detroit also came from playing soccer together. We also started a different company that didn't go so well, right? We all have failures in this entrepreneur life that we have. Yeah. We built a website or a company similar to Groupon, but focused more on restaurants in Detroit. We tried, tried, tried for maybe a year, year and a half. And you got to a point where, you know what, this is not working out. There was another company, kind of like a competitor, and we decided to sell it. So we just, it was kind of cool because being pretty young at that time, and I think so at least, and then being able to build something and sell it, even though it wasn't for much, you know, it was just a few thousand dollars. It was cool to build something and be able to sell it that someone else was interested in buying. So I also did that for a little bit. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to hear the path that people were on until mm -hmm. they got to their entrepreneurship, like passion and develop yeah. that niche that they really wanted to focus on. Because obviously the successes that we hear, they seem overnight, right? Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> how is it that, you know, Bill Gates developed this? Well, let's look at the trajectory that, or let's look at the path that he took, or let's look mm -hmm. at the the backstory of how people really got there. And sometimes it's all over the place. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I didn't yeah. even mention, yeah. And I mean, it's never overnight, right? I mean, if there is an overnight success, I mean, if you look into it in more detail, it's not really overnight. You know, there's a lot of, there's a backstory, there's a lot of struggles. And I haven't even mentioned while I was doing the furniture thing or I was doing the eBay thing, I always worked in restaurants. I worked in restaurants for almost 10 years. I was, 
a busboy in the beginning. I became a waiter. I was a bartender. Then I became a bar manager. Then I was a restaurant manager. So while I was trying this whole entrepreneur thing, trying to build businesses, I was always working in restaurants. Yeah, that's good to know. So don't quit your day job until you figured it out, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you can always take a risk, right? But, you know, <laughs> I had to, you know, I had to pay my bills. And even though these ideas that I had and I tried to make it work back then, I needed something to pay the bills, especially yeah. because I was moving around and I didn't have anyone in L.A., for example, when I moved there. So there was no I didn't have parents to to rely on. I didn't have friends that I could borrow money or I could sleep on their couch. I had rent to pay and I had bills to pay. So I had to bartend at night and try this furniture thing during the day. And then at night I would go bartend at different events. Once you realize you do what you got to do, and then if you keep going and you don't stop, you will get to your destination. Yes. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) That was powerful. (laughs) Okay. So Donnie, how old were you when you started Pineapple Development? I'm 38 now. So officially I was 35 when we made the freelance thing into a real business. So a little over three years ago. So 35. Okay. Got it. And how long did it take your business to start seeing some real traction in the beginning stages? It's funny because this has happened to me in the past where when I put my mind into something, like I put everything in and I work 20 hours a day, you know, whatever it takes, I'm that kind of person. So we had pretty good success very quickly, which sometimes I think it was good, but bad at the same time, because we did go through, you know, a couple of struggles afterwards. For example, the contract that we had to build thermos.com, I believe was not even a year into making pineapple the real business. And we signed that contract and the contract was huge for us, right? Hundreds of hours per month that Mm -hmm. we had with this company, this agency in Atlanta. So we had a pretty big success within the first year. And then we had struggles again. And then we signed another big contract. We struggled again and we signed another big contract. So it's ups and downs, right? It's just the entrepreneur lifestyle. You have really high highs and really low lows. And you got to know that, you know, there's a process to it. There's a a journey to it. And you've got to enjoy the process. And so I read in the book that you didn't pay yourself a salary for about six months. Mm Mm-hmm. So how did you survive? Were you just able to cover your expenses to run your household? Yeah, Jackie, well, my wife did have a job. In the very beginning, when we moved to Costa Rica, she was still working, I guess, freelance, you can call it, for the agency that she worked full time in Chicago. She tried to quit. And then her boss said, oh, can you just stay with us? You know, even though I know you're going to live in Costa Rica. So she was working full time. And I think by the time we started Pineapple, If she wasn't working for that agency, she was covering Costa Rica for a magazine called International Living. So we did have some income there. So yeah, that's how we paid. And we had a little bit of money saved to pay our bills. And Costa Rica, it's not the cheapest country to live in, but it's definitely way cheaper than Costa Rica. So you can live on $2,500, $3,000 a month, including everything. So that's how we made it happen. Got it. So you were in Costa Rica when you started Pineapple Development? Yeah, we flew back to the U.S. in Florida to open a bank account and then get the whole thing set up. And that's exactly when we were stopped by immigration. So as we start Pineapple, we have this whole thing happening. Uh-oh, let's hear about that. <laughs> yeah, so we come to the U.S. thinking you know, we're going to just gonna open the bank account. And that's when immigration pulled us aside and said, no, you cannot do this. So when we came back to Costa Rica, we contacted different lawyers and that's when we decided, you know what, let's move back to the U.S., get the citizenship and then decide what we want to do. But it was very early on. It was in the first year that we had pineapple and then I believe it was the first or second year and then we moved to the U.S. 
and immigration stopped you because your green card was expired? No, no, it was not expired. I had been outside of the U.S. for almost an entire year. And because I'm a green card holder, I'm not really supposed to do that. It's not against the law or I'm not, I wasn't doing anything wrong. It just erases flags to the immigration because if you're a green card holder, they think that you're living here and you're paying taxes here and you're doing things here in the U.S. And when the government sees that you're not doing these things in the U.S., they're like, ah, oh, why do you need a green card? If you want a green card, you've got to stay here, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, so that made us rethink certain things. And then we didn't want to take the risk of me losing green card because we definitely have a lot of ties here, have a lot of family here. Our business is here, right? It's registered here. We're, we were paying taxes here. We still had an address here in the U.S. So mm-hmm. we knew the U.S. is still a huge part of our lives and we wanted to come back here. So we decided let's move back, get the citizenship, and then we can decide. Maybe we'll live six months in Costa Rica. Maybe we'll live six months in the U.S. And then we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, on top of all of that, immigration just stopped you. <laughs> That's yes. a, a little stressful. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And so, Tony, did you have to raise any capital to start Pineapple Development? Nope. All on my own. Wow. Amazing. So save, save, save to, to start a, a new business, right? Yes. Yes. What about mentors? Did you have any mentors that helped you out in any stages of your business? For Pineapple specifically? Yeah, pineapple or the cleaning business, any ventures? I have mentors that I discovered that these people were mentors in my life much later in life because these mentors were the guy that I worked with while I was working painting houses. There was another guy that I worked at this restaurant back in New York. And these guys were very tough on me when I was managing this restaurant, when I was bartending. I didn't like them. But later on in life, as I was running Pineapple Development, I realized how big of an impact they had on the way I do things today. It was because they were tough on me. And it made me a much stronger person, being able to go through difficult times, right? Have difficult conversations. I was forced to do things at an early age that I didn't know I could, and I did it. And then now it helped me quite a bit. Right now, I mean, mentors, I mean, we have amazing partners and we can touch on a little bit later, but they did acquire part of the company, Pineapple Development, and they have been huge, a huge help for us. And uh, I have been learning a lot from them. And maybe one day they will become mentors. I mean, they are kind of a mentor right now because whenever I have questions, right, I go to them. They have a bigger agency. They've been in this business much longer. So, yes, I consider them mentors as well. And where did you find these partners? We found them here in St. Pete. I was part of, well, not myself, but one of my employees is part of BNI. I'm not sure if you know what that is. It's just a networking group that I went every week. And one of the members there introduced me to Andy. Andy is the owner of Big C, the agency that acquired part of Pineapple Development. And that's how we met. We just had a few conversations. We met. I was trying to get them to hire us to do some development work. It didn't work out at the time. I met her partner, Zoe. And again, amazing guy, had a really great conversations. And then later on, a few months later, we didn't really do any any work for them. We liked them so much that later on, when we were going through some tough times with Pineapple, we decided, you know what, maybe we can just talk to them and see what they think about what's going on and if there's anything that they can help. So long story short, many, many conversations, many back and forth. They decided, you know what, I think this is a great business. They don't do e-commerce. They never did. They don't focus too much on development. And they decided, you know what? I like Donnie. I like Jackie. Let's partner. Let's make this happen. Okay. Okay. So is mentorship important in entrepreneurial journey? 100%. Mm. (laughs) 100%. 
Awesome. And if someone does not know where to get these partners or mentors, where do you think they can get plugged into? From my experience, it wasn't a specific place. I think once you put yourself out there, I mean, these opportunities, these people will come around. And then it's a matter of you realizing, hey, maybe there's an opportunity here, or maybe I can just strike a conversation and then something will come out of it. And then in this case, this conversation that we had turned out to be a partnership with another company. So I don't have a specific place that somebody can go to, but there's always opportunities around you. And it's just, you know, realizing, oh, this can be really good for me. This can be really good for me or the company, right? So keeping your eyes open, there's opportunities everywhere. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so what about marketing? Are you guys doing any Facebook ads, Google ads, anything? We just started now that Big C, we partnered with them. I never did any of that. (laughs) Most of our clientele still came from Upwork. And if people don't know what Upwork is, I highly recommend just checking it out. If you're a freelancer or if you're looking for some part-time work, you can just go in there and bid on jobs. So most of our clients, including the agency from Atlanta, including Diamondback, Thermos, all of these other companies, they all came from Upwork. And now since we partnered with Big C, now we're really putting this marketing effort in place because I never had that background. I didn't know how to do that. I'm a person that I can talk, I can sell, especially you know stuff that I know about. So I can sell e-commerce. So yeah, now we're focusing on this and it's been, it's pretty new. We started maybe four, six months ago. And is it Facebook ads, Google ads? What are you guys going to do? Both. We're doing both. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Wow. And you are the very first person on the show that says, go check out Upwork and, and get <laughs> clients from them. That's amazing. I never even thought of that, but it's yeah. a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Clients and employees, right? I mean, there's a lot of freelancers out there that are great. I mean, they're great people, great workers. And sometimes I look for people there. I look for developers on Upwork. Sometimes people just think, oh, I cannot find good help there. I cannot find real clients there. I mean, I'm proof that that's not accurate. You can find huge companies, huge clients on Upwork. So, Yeah. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Thank you for that. (laughs) So, Tani, I'm really interested to know, how do you look at failures and how do you overcome them? Oh, great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, (laughs) Failures is what make you who you are today. Without those failures, you don't realize what you're capable of doing. Sometimes you don't realize how strong you are, how much you can push. Obviously, it's not fun when these things happen. But once you have gone through a few times, you almost like, you know what? I know it's happening. It's not easy, but I know I'm going to get through it. And you start looking at it as, how can I learn? What can I learn from this situation that I'm in and how I'm going to get out of it? So failures, I think it's what people say, right? If you're going to fail, fail fast and fail often, right? Because these lessons will stay with you for the rest of your life. And it will just make you stronger, more knowledgeable. You understand risks better. You understand who you should be doing business with, who you should not. So I think you have to go through failures in, in life. And I think we all do in, in one way or another. Mm, so just don't don't stay down with the failures, right? Make sure to push on through and you'll get to the successes sooner rather than later. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of times people just give up too soon. And sometimes you're so close to get to that next level, right? So I think if you stick to it and just keep going, you know what you're doing, you enjoy what you're doing. If, if it is what you want to do long term, just keep going. You'll do well. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And let's switch gears and talk a little bit about successes. Are there any successes that you would like to outline from your immigrant entrepreneur journey? I think me being just here is a huge success. <laughs> <you know>? Yes. <laughs> just, just being in this country and 
living life. (laughs) I think it's a huge success. I think many people can relate to my story, you know, being here illegally for many number of years and just getting through those years and keep moving forward, no matter what the obstacle is, you get to this place where you're like, wow, I mean, I'm so glad that I kept going and I'm so happy with where I am now. I don't know. It's just very grateful for everything that that has happened. And I didn't know if I was going to make it or if I was going to go back to Brazil. And here we are, you know. Yeah. And you know, the immigration process in America is so, so like Mm -hmm. troubled in many ways because I hear people waiting for their citizenships for 10 years and sometimes they don't even get it and they have to fly over to Canada and start a brand new life Mm -hmm. in another country when they've tried so many different ways and people do this legally and they can't get through the immigration process. Like Mm -hmm. it's really sad to hear about all these stories and hopefully it's going to get better, but we're losing a lot of great talent. We're losing a lot of great professional people that are coming here that are extremely talented with amazing ideas, with an amazing energy. And the immigration process is just not helping us in any way. So yeah, that is a great success. So congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. So I read something in the book where you mentioned your team quadrupled and your monthly revenue increased by 500%. What happened there? What did you guys do differently? Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So, I mean, we started very small with my freelance clients and it's part luck, right? It's luck and, and hard work and keep pushing, keep trying, not being afraid of talking to someone that big at a big company that somehow said, hey, Donnie, I want to talk to you. And they are from this huge agency in Atlanta. I think luck is definitely part of it. And I feel very lucky and, and blessed, right? That these things somehow, these things come, right? They just show up in your life. And again, going back, I don't mean to be repetitive here, but there's opportunities everywhere. And if you don't pay attention to them, if you don't seize them, you know, they'll go away. So what mm-hmm. happened, I think, is like uh, there was an opportunity and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing to get this client. And then he just helped. So part of luck. And once we got signed that client, you know, other things just kind of like came into place and we didn't do anything special. I think the, mm. the mindset was there. We kept pushing, kept trying, tried many different things. A lot of them didn't work and they don't work. Hired many people and they didn't work. So mm-hmm. there's no, I don't, I don't have a, like a secret. There's nothing that I can share. I think is just, just keep going and keep trying. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You're talking about opportunities and luck, but if we're not pushing out there and if we're not going out is seeking work and seeking clients and these opportunities and luck doesn't really just fall from the sky, right? I mean, you have to continue. Like you were working all these jobs, all these food and beverage and restaurant jobs mm-hmm. and still hustling. It was kind of luck was not landed from the sky because you were sitting on the couch for right, exactly. yeah so so yeah. you were still hustling you were still doing all that hard work so and that's when these lucky opportunities come to our door yes i, I, right. I agree mm-hmm. okay Absolutely. awesome awesome <laughs> so Tony, what does the american dream mean to you i think for me and jackie Time freedom, right? I think the entrepreneurship, there is a lot of struggles there. But I think being able to choose what you want to do with your time, whether it be hustling and growing your company or taking a walk 
in the middle of the day or, or walking your dog or, or whatever it may be, right? So I think having that time freedom is huge. Obviously, being here in this country, being here legally, being married to an American woman, having my own company, owning my own house, I think this is the American dream. And I'm very grateful and, and very happy with where we are, with all the struggles that we had. The American dream is what you make out of it. I mean, what do you want it, the American dream to be? And then you just go out and make it happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can anyone reach their American dream? Every single person can. Awesome. Every single person. I mean, it's just from my experience, I've had a lot of struggles, a lot of tough moments in my life. And, and many people go through, you know, tough, tough times, tough things, tough experiences, losing, you know, loved ones or losing a job or, you know, not being able to go to school or, but I think everyone can be happy and, and have that American dream. I think yeah. so. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so is giving back either volunteering time or giving back to the community something that is part of your business values? A hundred percent. More so, I think my personal values. Again, going back to Jackie and I, I think because we've moved around quite a bit, had the opportunity to live in a different country, met people with similar mindset, other entrepreneurs, having our own businesses, right? What we have been doing lately, and myself mainly, I think... We have tried to share our experiences a lot because I think a lot of people question themselves and they're not confident enough. They just question themselves thinking that they're not able to do things. And I think it's it's the wrong mindset to have, right? So I put myself out there and actually I heard something long time ago when I didn't have my businesses. I was trying to figure things out. I think I was still in college and I heard something that didn't really make sense to me at the time, which was entrepreneurs, like people that have businesses, they're successful. They want people to reach out to them. They're more than willing to help and be that mentor and share their experiences with people that are just starting out. And for me, I'm like, why would these busy people, successful people wouldn't even listen to me? And I, I was so shy that I never did that. And now that I'm kind of like, kind of like on the other side, I don't want to say that I'm super successful and I have this huge company because I don't think I do, but I have lived and I have done a few things that I'm more than happy when people come to me and ask questions. I want people to ask more questions. Yeah. I want people to yeah. like come into me and say, hey, how did you do this? How did you do this? How, why, why did you do this? So I think I would love to be more of a mentor, even more to help people and encourage them to take that, that step that they're afraid of taking. So I think talking to people, this is how we give back, sharing our experiences, telling them our story and how we got here. So amazing. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I totally agree with you because when I first launched this podcast, I was like, why would all these super busy, successful immigrant entrepreneurs carve out an hour of their day to sit <laughs> and talk to me about their journey? I was totally with you. So I was like mm -hmm. kind of afraid to reach out in the beginning stages, but you're totally right. Mm -hmm. Like these people, they're compassionate and you're doing the same thing and you can share your journey and that truly can inspire so many different immigrants listening. Mm -hmm. And then it's so rewarding to see the fruits of your wise advice to everyone listening. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that leads me to the next question, which is what are some things you would advise the next aspiring immigrant that wants to start their own business listening to you right now? Start today. Don't wait until tomorrow. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people overthink things. And I think taking that one step at a time and taking action is the first thing, right? You can worry about raising money or doing some, whatever it is that you're worried about. 
just worry about that later. Take that first step. Start that website. Create your logo or whatever it is. Talk to people. Get out there. Join a networking group. I think take that step and taking action is what makes things happen. If you just sit on your couch and wait for opportunities to come, they're not going to come. Maybe once in a while, in the right case, maybe things will come and knock on your door, but that's not the majority of the time. Taking action is is the number one. Mm, so powerful. Awesome. <laughs> so what's next for you? What are some business goals for the next couple of years? Are you going to be opening up <laughs> any more businesses, Donnie? <laughs> if, if I say that I did, I think my wife, Jackie, would be very mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I haven't thought about it. I definitely have. <laughs> and I think eventually this journey has been a huge learning experience, right? We're still a small company, you know, officially or a little over three years. Business has been around for 10, 20, 30, 40 years when we're so small. And I think obviously, you know, focusing on these two businesses, but if the opportunity comes and there's something else out there, and I think it's good for us based on where we are right now with our life, what's going on with our businesses and in our personal life, if it makes sense, maybe, maybe we'll start another business, but yeah, we'll see. So I have to ask, I said pineapple, the word pineapple, I don't know, maybe like 10 times in the last 45 minutes of our conversation. I feel like I just want to go out and buy 10 pineapples. (laughs) What made you decide to come up with pineapple development? Uh, Great question. Uh, (laughs) Props to, to my wife, Jackie. So we knew we wanted to start this company, right? We knew we needed to come up with a name and we're vegans and we're really big into nature, animals and veggies, fruits, all that kind of stuff, you know? So we knew we wanted to name the company either an animal or some sort of fruit. (laughs) That's, That's how it all started. So we started looking at different meanings of different things like a bear or I don't know, a horse or, or an apple or an orange. And then pineapple came up and then it's just a fruit that people would give to other people, right? It's a symbol of hospitality. So we decided, you know what? I think this fits with where we are right now. And we're going to go for it. Let's call it pineapple development. I love it. I'm going to go out and get 10 pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we have in the house, we have uh, sheets with pineapple. I have socks with pineapples on them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you got to live the brand, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to have to put a shop on your website so we can get some pineapple gear from you. <laughs> yes, yes. It's in the plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. All right, Donnie. Well, this wraps it up. Thank you so much for coming on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast and sharing your amazing, wonderful journey with everyone listening. I know it's going to inspire so many immigrants. And I wish you all the best of successes and hope to see more and new upcoming things from you. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I hope this inspires many, many people. Thank you. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If there are any links that were mentioned in this episode, make sure to check them out on my website under this episode to find all the links conveniently located in the show notes. I just wanted to ask for a quick favor. If you could please leave a review wherever you're at listening to this podcast. Also, if you're an immigrant entrepreneur and would love to be on my podcast, please email me and we'll get connected. I'll see you guys all next time for another exciting and impactful episode. Take care.